And the series that we're talking about is the concept of a catalyst and uh, really what that means. And so we're excited about that series. And last week, we talked about the servant girl in 2 Kings chapter 5. And that was pretty awesome. She was a pretty spectacular uh, young lady. That's online if you want to listen to that. And we know that a catalyst is a person or event that quickly causes change or action. Now, in one time or another in your life, you've experienced being a catalyst. You, you know what this feels like. You've done something where it profoundly affected your team, your work team, your family, your friends. Uh, you have been this at one time or another. So some of us may be dormant, thinking, okay, I don't even know how to be a catalyst. I don't even know how to cause change, okay? So this series is designed to inspire you, to encourage you, to think about those things. Two things before we start our lesson today is one, I want to welcome a sister who has come from Chicago. If we haven't welcomed her already, I don't remember, but it's Jasmine Asadi. She's right here in front. She came from the Chicago Church of Christ, and she's now part of the Shoreline Church of Christ. I want to welcome you. She is going to be a, a catalyst for Cal Lutheran University, because that's where she attends, and she is our, our only disciple on campus there. And so she's excited about helping to be a cast and building that ministry up. So we're excited for her. Please give her support. She is aw- she's awesome. So we got to know her uh, through our campus, and our campus loves her. And we also want to welcome back Arigato uh, Lupe Manchaco from Japan. Arigato, back. She was there for a school study for a couple weeks. Living in Japan, interacting with the culture, also interacting with with the Japan Church of Christ. Uh, so it was a really awesome experience for her. So we want to welcome you back. It's great to have. We missed you a lot. So she's a catalyst at, at Cal State Channel Islands, as well as Zach Pritchard, who are there, our two university students. So we have ten, which is encouraging. All right, here we go. So we're going to look at Philip today. Philip in the Bible in the first century. If you read your Bible in the book of Acts, you'll run into him over, the, over a couple chapters. You're going to see the life of Philip. Okay? Now, Philip was a church member, just like you. He came to church. He came to the temple courts. He sat down and had fellowship. He's just a church member. To put it in our terms, he was a member of the church. They say he was a Christian disciple. Yeah, he was a church member. <laughs> Guess what? You know what else he was? He was a volunteer. This guy volunteered to make sure that the widows were being not overlooked in the distribution of food. He volunteered for that. To, to serve people, to serve the sisters in the church who had, no, who had no husband, who had no source of security. He volunteered to help them. Amen. And, best part of all, he was a follower of Jesus. Woo-hoo. He was a follower. He followed Jesus. He was an active member of the church, and he was a volunteer. This, in many terms, is exactly who you are. People that got a, got a certificate today, you're a volunteer. You're maybe a church member. Maybe you're not a church member, but you're, you're getting involved, which is awesome. Okay, so here is the, here's one of the things that happened. In Acts chapter 6, there was a situation where you had a lot of people coming in Jerusalem that were converted... From out out of the country, out of the nation, and they came, and there was a lot of disciples. Like three thousand were baptized. Plus, it was a big fellowship. But what happened was needs weren't being met. Now, sometimes in the church that happens. 
Things are going on, and needs aren't being, aren't, aren't being met, and so it gets, it gets discouraging. And so the, these widows were being overlooked when they got the food because of the language barrier, possibly. You know, they just, you know if you talk Greek and I talk a different language, it's kind of, are you hungry? And you're like, oh, you must be hungry, move on. And so they were getting overlooked somehow, and so there was a need to fill, to make sure that these widows weren't being overlooked. A little fight broke out, a little argument broke out. So the brothers chose seven men from among them who were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. Okay, a couple things to highlight here. They were known for something. If you're a church member, a Christian in our church... What are you known for in our church? What are you known for? Because you're always known for something. Maybe you're known as a no-show. You hardly come. You're known to come once a month, once in a while. You certainly don't come during the AFC playoff games. You know? You're known for something. What are you known for? Maybe you're known to be a businessman. Maybe you're known to be shrewd with your finances. Maybe you're known to be, you know, a really good community guy out there. What are you known for? What do people recognize you for? Maybe it's your job. They just know that you do this. But they have no idea who you really are. Whether you're a Christian. Maybe you're you're that guy that says, oh, he's known to be a Christian. You know, the other day, you know, I I interact with people and they they know I'm a minister, but I don't like to tell them I'm a minister. I, I want a natural interaction with people. I don't, you know, so they start, they, they start their, their, their language, and I'm just sitting there, this is great, I'm interacting, he has no idea what I do, this is great. And then some guy was, came by and said, hey, Geos, how's the, how's the minister, minister of your church doing? I'm like, oh, don't say that in front of this guy. And all of a sudden, this guy went from, what the, does Jesus totally change? And he locked up, and he was, oh, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I was getting along with this guy so well, I really wanted to have a real relationship with him. But when I hear that I'm a minister, all of a sudden, something changes about them. So I'm kind of the, the Christian in disguise. And then I pop out that I'm a disciple, I lead a church, and so forth, and it's exciting. And I, uh, my goal is to be known for to be a man who's full of God's Spirit, who's a man of God. That's, that's the kind of reputation you want. You want to be known to be a... That man is a godly man. That man is... Uh, people at work know there's something different about you, and they notice. They notice whether you're known to be frumpy, grumpy, complainer, you know, we have a reputation. Whether we want to admit it or not, or whether they tell us or not, we are building our reputation. So these men in the fellowship of the church were known to be full of the Spirit, and they were wise. And so they had this responsibility. That's where it starts off with Philip. Just a volunteer. And here in Acts chapter 8, we find him in action. He comes from a little area from Samaria. This is one of the second accounts of him doing some pretty awesome work. You can read about it in Acts chapter uh, 6 and Acts chapter 8. A lot of stuff there. And then we see him again in, later on in the book of Acts when he has four daughters. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, right off the bat, what sticks out is that an angel sends him on a mission. But the mission is not very clear. 
In fact, the mission assignment is kind of annoying. Okay? And the reason why it's annoying is because he tells to go to, to a general area. Go down to this road, this desert. Go to Ventura. Go hang out in Ventura. That's the direction. Go. He doesn't tell me who he's going to meet. He doesn't tell me what he's supposed to do. He doesn't tell, doesn't tell him how long you should be doing it. It's very general and it's kind of irritating if you get an assignment to go volunteer. It's go to Ventura. But what am I supposed to do there? Just go to Ventura. What, what? And then you get mad at, you know, at some of the organizers, right? That's what happens. So here, he starts off. And on his way, he meets somebody. Well, the angel never told me he had to meet some specific person, but he meets somebody, which is interesting. He sees something. He notices something. But don't forget, he's a man who's known to be full of the Spirit. So he's thinking. He thinks differently. He doesn't think like he's tired and and irritable, he's thinking, what am I supposed to be doing out here? So where is the Gaza Road? Where is this direction? Well, if you look down here on your map, if you can see it, my little red dot, in the corner here, you'll see Jerusalem, and then you see Gaza. Sorry, I couldn't enhance the map, but there's a road that goes down to Egypt. And this is the Gaza Road. And you know what's there? Nothing. It's a desert road. Abandoned villages. There's nothing there. There is no prosperity in sight. It's not, a, it's not a metropolitan area. It's not go to this big city. and you're, It's like you're going into no man's land. That desert road. And many of us have been there. We've been on a road. We're, 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 we're traveling, but we don't know what we're supposed to do. And here's Philip, who's asked to go on this road, this desert road, from Gaza to Jerusalem, right there. And he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. There it is. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, Ethiopia in this context of the scriptures is not modern day Ethiopia. It's not eastern side of Africa. There was actually another Ethiopia in its day. It was actually in modern Sudan or lower Egypt, which I'll show you a map here in a second. Here is Egypt. Here is Ethiopia. From here. So he travels from here all the way to Jerusalem, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So this man was sitting there Reading the book of Isaiah, remember the direction. Go down to the desert road and just go down there. Doesn't tell him who to meet, who to interact with, who to share with. Just go on this lonely desert road. And there he sees this guy sticking out like a sore thumb, reading his Bible. And in the ancient days, those who read the Bible, it wasn't read all quietly like, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, that's so inspiring. They actually read it out loud. So it was obvious what he was doing. That's how he knew. Now this guy's reading this Bible. He's reading the Old Testament. And he knew. Because the Spirit had told him, go to that chariot and stay near it. He doesn't say go and share your faith with him. He says just go hang out there. Ever hang out somewhere where people are, people are gathering? You're just kind of hanging out? And then you get that urge to go, I shouldn't. I should talk about God here for a second. Oh no, it's foolishness. I'll be embarrassing. No, I should. I mean, I should. And we have that conflict. 
Well, we, we should, we ought to, we know we should. They sound, they seem kind of nice, maybe they're religious. And so this is the situation. Go to that chariot and stay near it. And this is a concept of how do I know how to live by the Spirit? How do I know when God is telling me something? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. In other words, whatever your mind frame is like is most likely what you're going to be living out that day. If you decide, I am not, I'm focused on my bills, I'm focused on my stress, I'm focused on my job, I'm focused on everything that has not to do with God and spiritual things, that's exactly what you'll be doing that day. You'll do exactly what your mind says it's going to do. You're tired, you're fatigued, I've had enough, I got this, I got that, I'm exhausted. And so what ends up happening is that you do exactly what the nature desires. You know, this week I got sick. My kids got sick, and in the house, my daughter got sick, my son got sick, and I told, my, I told the family, I'm not getting sick. It's up here. It's all right here. I've decided that I'm not going to get sick. I made the decision up here, and I started feeling the symptoms. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do the Lord's work because it's all in my mind. Mind over matter. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I'm going to have appointments. I'm doing it because I will get through this. And I was doing it for two days. And the brother, and the brother asked me, to, he said, hey, uh, your kids are sick. Are you sick? No. Nope. Mind over matter, brother. Mind over matter. Up here. And on Wednesday, I had another appointment out in the valley. Went there with a couple of ministers. Had a, had a great meeting. And during the meeting, it was, it, was, it was matter over my mind. It was, whoa, I'm feeling stuff here. And I was like, you know what? I have an appointment this evening. I'm going to still go to it. I, I am determined to defeat my body. I will make it my slave. Paul said so. And when I got home, I could barely stand. And so I started started undressing and I just dove into my bed. And once you dive into the bed, you've decided I'm not getting up anymore. And there I laid for three or four days. My mind failed me. My mind failed me. My mind went from spiritual things to things that I desired. And my body had to take a little rest. And my, and my, my, my awesome wife took care of me. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It doesn't matter what's going on in the background. They have a spiritual mind that God is going to work that out. I'm working on that part. I'm I'm actively involved in that situation. But I'm going to focus my mind. I'm going to set my mind on what God desires. That's the difference of who's a catalyst and who's not a catalyst. A catalyst thinks about spiritual things. Someone who's not a catalyst, they do what the nature desires. Not to do anything. Not to engage. And here Philip, he's the one that says, you know what, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I see something that I'm going to inquire. There's a guy out here reading his Bible. There he is. How far is it from Jerusalem, from from Candace? Because you can look on your little, if you're a geography major, which most of you are not, I am. You take this little, this little scale, and you line it up from Jerusalem, and you're right here. It's a, a little over 200 miles. This guy went from 200 miles to worship God in Jerusalem in his chariot. That's what this guy, with his entourage, he went up to worship God. Yeah, this right. If you live in Oxnard, you're down here, 200 miles away. And here's the grave right here. 
Scott went over the grade and went into Jerusalem to worship God. Because that's where he knew the people of God were. And his mind was like, I'm not going to let geography stop me. I'm not going to let geography get in the way and make an excuse for me not to go worship God. That was his mind. It's It's what the Spirit desired. And so there he meets Philip on this road. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And then he asked this educated, highly ranked official, a man with with a sterling IQ to be part of the treasury of Candace. Just think about accountants. Think of money, uh, you know, bean counters. Think of guys who love numbers. Those guys are pretty smart guys. They go, do you understand what you're reading? Just because you're good at something at work doesn't always mean you translate you're a spiritual man of God. Just because you're talented in one area doesn't equal that you're equally a spiritual man. He goes, do you understand what you're reading for the past? You know, like to me, that question, sometimes I get, that, I get asked a silly question by somebody. And you almost get insulted by it. Like, come on, please. Don't you know? Christian 20-year badge right here, buddy. I got a 20-year badge. You know, you're almost like, come on. And this guy is asked this question. He's obviously traveled 200 miles. He's committed. He's devoted. He's been reading. Do you understand what you're reading? That's the question. And it's a, it's a, it's a piercing question because sometimes you might have grown up going to church. You might have experience in church. You might, you, know, you might be a churchgoer and you're here. And you might go, I know the Bible. And then one of us asks you, hey, do you want to study the Bible? That's the, that's the same question. Do you want to study the Bible and learn more about God? But I've been going to church my whole life. That's almost insulting. How can you ask me to study the Bible? I've been going to church since I was, I was born in church. <laughs> I was raised a Christian. My parents are Christian. But yet that question could be insulting. And if you're, if you're not open to God you will have the mind of your nature saying, no, I don't want to study because I'm not open to spiritual things. That's what the nature desires. But I want to encourage you to do what the Spirit desires. So here's Philip. Let's do a little recap. He's a member of the church. He's out in the desert right now. He volunteered to serve the widows. He was known to be a spiritual man. And here, he becomes a catalyst for change. Now, the, the eunuch responds with an astonishing assertion. How can I? Because the question was, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. If you're visiting with us, if you're a guest of ours, we're glad you're here. Sometimes we might ask you from time to time, if you haven't asked already, would you like to study the Bible? And I hope your heart is like the eunuch's heart. Who says, you know, I'm reading it, but I don't understand everything about it. I need someone to sometimes explain to me what's happening when I'm reading the Bible. You know, what would be encouraging is when you invite someone up into your chariot. And say, can you help me understand this? Too many times we wait for crisis to happen before we ask for help. How about asking for help before the crisis begins? How about that strategy? I find that to be a very successful strategy in my marriage, in my parenting, in my life's work. I get advice and help early so I'm not dealing with the crisis and I'm running from crisis to crisis with my head cut off going, somebody help me, somebody save me. This is what the eunuchs 
heart was like. He invites Philip, who is a non-royal guy. He's pretty dusty. He's been running a long way. And there's Philip and he invites him up. A nobody. The eunuch was reading this passage. Now a eunuch is someone who works for the royal courtyard who's been castrated so there's no uh, funny business with the queen. That's why they work in the royal courtyard because they work closely with royalty so to, to avoid affairs and scandals and, and illegitimate children who will one day be heir to the king. They, they make eunuchs of you to serve and you, you, I think you have to volunteer for that position and you, you are castrated and you serve the queen so there's no you know, endangerment of anything funny. So he's reading this passage of scripture. It reads, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is, sl- is silent so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, if you're not a Bible reader, you're going like, what, who, what, what does that mean? Because when it's in quotation, it's usually from the Old Testament. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from this earth? Then the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? You know, that's a great question when you read your Bible. Who is this written to? Why is this written? What's the background here? What's going on? When you don't ask those kind of questions, you can misinterpret the scriptures. And that happens a lot in Christianity. You hear, you, hear, you hear terms like, once you're saved, you're always saved. That's not even in the Bible. But it's, one, it's a popular Christian tenet. Just believe and you'll be saved. That's partly true, but also partly false. So you need context. You ask questions. And the eunuch is asking questions. Let me ask you something. Are you asking questions? Are you reading your Bible and you're thinking like, well, if I ask a question, I might look really silly. This is really dumb to ask. What a dumb question. I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody. We get like that. It's embarrassing. How am I supposed to ask somebody? i got a college degree. can't ask people. Actually, that's what you should be doing. Whether you have a PhD or a GED. That's right. Either you're a summa cum laude or me, a nada cum laude. <laughs> you ask questions. Amen. You can ask questions. You can understand. No question is stupid. Now, if your nature says I'm too insecure, you'll most likely never ask. But if you listen to the Spirit, you'll start asking questions. Well, I want to know more about the Bible. I want to learn more. So here's the account. He's a high-ranked official in Candace. Travels almost 400 miles to Jerusalem. He's seeking, but he needs some help. Aren't we all? Can't that be said about all of us? We are seeking God, but we need some help. We can stay religious and cover up the need for as long as you like. But until you truly seek God, you're going to need some help. Because you know what? We all need help. Every one of us. Even the best Christian of us, we need help. I get help. I need help. How to manage my household. How to interact with my wife. How to raise my kids. I need a lot of help. And I seek it. For this is what the Lord says about eunuchs. This is interesting because uh, Israel was not allowed to have eunuchs in its assembly. Because they didn't want want the the, the Jewish boys 
to be emasculated or castrated because God wanted to you know, multiply and, 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 and you know, fill the earth with men and women. So they weren't really allowed in the assembly, but God has a heart for the eunuch. And he says this about eunuchs. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, that's what this guy was, to them I will give them my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. God says, I will give you a name. I will give you something spiritual that's better than sons and daughters. You know, as a parent, I'm going like, that's pretty encouraging. Because as a parent, I take pride in my children. I love my kids. And to the eunuch who will never have children, he says, I'll give you something better for those who seek me. And this guy was a seeker. This guy was a searcher. He wanted to know God. Do you want to know God? Are you seeking God? Or do you just come to church on Sundays? Because if you keep doing that, in, in, in a short time or a long time, you will no longer be here. That I can guarantee you. If you just rest on coming to church on Sundays, you will no longer be here in time. You will fade out. First you'll go, then your wife will hold on, and then she'll go. That's what happens. People just don't disappear because... Something, oh my gosh, it was a Where did they go? A UFO took them. What happened? No, they went because they stopped seeking God. And when you stop seeking God, you eventually succumb to what your nature desires. And that is to be alone and selfish. That is all of our natures. That's my nature. You think I'm Mr. Dynamo and I like being Yeah, but in my nature, I like to be left alone. I like my time. I like a lot of my time. But I, I give. I only had two best friends growing up. I didn't have a lot of friends. That's a lot of energy. So I just had two. And I have to give to myself all the time. My nature wants to be left alone. At home, I'm more quiet. I'm quieter at home. Honestly, I'm a little more frumpier at home. Because Karen gets to see Gio. Is he always like that at home? No! Karen goes, no, he's not at all! <laughs> no, sometimes I'm just quiet. Sometimes I'm moody. Sometimes I don't sleep enough, I get all, what's going on? And I start yelling at the dogs. I start kicking the dogs. I start doing everything. I'm just a mess. Because that's sometimes what my nature desires. So even Geo does things that are totally wrong and self-centered. That's who I am. That's what I am. I decide to give. I decide to be outward focused. And so I do. And it benefits people. And that's for God's glory, not for mine. And here is a eunuch who is seeking God desperately. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Awesome sauce, as they say in today's campus ministry. Okay, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. Philip knew to take advantage and share the Bible. He says, hey, how do I know? What's going on? Do you understand? I don't know. Someone needs to explain it to me. And Philip goes right in and tells them the good news. If someone were open in your life, if someone came to you and says, hey, I'm seeking God. I want help. Would you know what to do? Would you know where to go in the Bible? Would you know how to help them spiritually? Would you know? Or would you go to your automatic default? I don't have to know. I got my house church leader's phone number right here. House church leader, I know you got your hands full. I know you're a busy guy. I know you got a lot of kids. I know you got a lot of responsibility. But I got a guy who's open and he's, I want him to get with you. 
Do you know? Do you know? This morning we tested two campus brothers on how to and test them on, on, on the study series to know all the scriptures. That's what we did this morning. Because I'm teaching the campus. You have to know how to help people when they need help. Mm-hmm. You should know that as a Christian. Yep. You, should not, you should not pawn that off on someone else. Now, of course, you invite more people to the study, which is awesome. But your heart and desire should be, hey, I want to know. And Philip knew the good news. He knew it. And then he told them about it. And so he said, and as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And this is what I want to emphasize. The eunuch says something. Because Philip just told him the good news. Philip told him, and this is what the eunuch says. This is what he understood to be a part of the good news. He says, look, here is water. And they're in the desert. And he goes, look, there's water. Why does he say there's water? Because Philip told him the good news. As a part of the good news, Water was involved. Amen. It wasn't just believe. It wasn't just be a good guy. It wasn't just raise a family. The good news is, hey, look, there's water. And then he says the question, why shouldn't I be baptized? Why do you, why do you say that? Because it wasn't the good news. Amen. It wasn't left out of the good news. There's water. Hold on, stop the chariots. Why should I be baptized? In other translations, what's preventing me from being baptized? We know to be baptized, you have to repent and be baptized. If you want to, know, want to watch a funny movie on being baptized, watch Nacho Libre. It's a constant threat in the movie. He's trying to convert his friend, Stephen, to get baptized because he's not a believer. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Can you explain that to your friend? Can you study with your friends? That's what catalysts do. They study with people. They inquire. They learn on their own. I'm going to learn this stuff. I'm going to memorize this stuff. And there it is. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. The eunuch did. I don't think Philip could have stopped him at this point. We're, we're stopping the chariot. A lot of times we get caught up. Well, you haven't done the church study yet. When someone wants to do it, they're going, hey, I will stop my schedule. I will make time. There's nothing that will stop me from doing this. In Spanish, we call that ganas. Desire. You can't stop it. Nothing can stop it. It's ganas. It's ah. If you don't give enough effort in Spanish, we say, necesita, necesita más papas en la sopa. That means you need a little more potato in your soup. You gotta get that. So my dad would always tell me, más papas en la sopa. Come on, more desire, more gas. And here he is. He says, stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip did, they weren't at the shore. And Philip was like, hey, lower your head. And he wasn't splashing him with water. There was no splashing effect. It was go down into the water. Baptized means to be immersed, drenched, soaked. And that's what the eunuch did. That's what he did. And Philip was there with general direction, with no specifics. He knew what to do. He says, I'm going to think about spiritual things. I'm on this desert road by myself. 
No fellowship. What am I doing here? Did God really call me here? I'm doubting this now. No. He took advantage of a situation. And God led him to this man. This man goes back to his country and is the first Christian in his nation. And he spreads the word. You can do that historical study on Google. He goes back. He does it. And Philip just moves on. After that, he goes on. And we find him later on in the Bible. He has four, he has four daughters who are, who are disciples, who are Christians. And they're, and they're like preaching. They're prophesying. They're unmarried. Brothers got a little intimidated, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> His sisters are like, yeah, okay. Be humble, sisters. Be humble, you know. Okay? We know you're spiritual. Just be humble. So when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. His life changed because someone asked a difficult question. Do you understand what you're reading? You know, a lot of times I interact with people, and they're all churchgoers. Most people I meet are, are just people that go to church, interact yeah. with church. I'm just looking for a guy that just almost hates God. I want that guy. You know, sometimes I get, I get annoyed at people that just are religious. I want a guy that says, I'm a savage. I'm going to help you, brother. Right? I got one of those guys I'm working on right now. He's just a savage. He's like, he's like do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you want to follow God? Not really. Okay, good. I'm going to work with you. There are other people that are just religious that are just religious. And so with religious people, we have to help them. We've got to encourage them. We've got to be their friend first. They want friendships. People are looking for friendships. They want meaningful, deep relationships that they're not getting, and they're starved for it. They want that. So this is a eunuch. He left rejoicing. That's the proof of what Philip did. He became a catalyst when he was just a volunteer. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip just didn't say, you know what? Ah, converted eunuch. Treasure of Candace. I'm set. My Christianity is set. I'm sold. I'm done. He didn't do that. He didn't say, you know what? I converted Simon the sorcerer. I'm not going to brag. He was a sorcerer. I converted him. I got the eunuch too. That's two in the bag. Two big elephants. I'm good. I'm solid. I've done my Christianity. I'm going to retire into the, into the sunset. He doesn't do that. I'm talking about all the older Christians who've done great things, who've seen great things. Sometimes you go like, ah, put 20 in. Ah, done pretty good. I'm not going to be the sage. I'm just going to walk around. You want to come here, come here for all my advice. I'm going to tell you what to go and do. Philip does not do that. Philip goes and he goes and he goes to Caesarea and we find him there. Paul and his travelers actually go out of their way and visit him in Caesarea where he's raised children. Now, when he has kids, you notice he stopped and he planted. He planted his kids and he raised them. I'm sure he was out in Caesarea preaching the word, but he planted and he sat and he spent time with his children. He taught his children and four kids, four daughters. He was just, was just running around. He had children. And he, i got to build a kingdom. i got to build a kingdom. And then he leaves his kids behind, his wife behind. No. He actually settles down. And he teaches his children about God and locally about God. He settled down. And some of us, we need to settle down. Too many hurried families. At the end of the day, these kids of yours are going to learn about God through you. You, how they see God through your eyes. You're the biggest impact on their lives. He settles down. He doesn't run around with a chicken with a head cut off. He's not... 
He settles. And I want to encourage you families, settle down. Don't get caught up in the rat race of the culture. Yeah. Don't get caught up. Amen. Let, let the, what we, are, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Right. Our thinking is different. Yes, is it weird when we say, I'm not doing that because I'm going to spend time with my family. People go, what? It's like an odd look I get. So, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I can, but I got this, this amount of time with my kids and my wife. I'm going to spend it there. And people are like, you're not going to... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do it here. I'm going to settle down. And for a guy like me, I need to settle down. Because my engines get... You know how I get my, my energy? Hang around you guys. Yeah. I, start, I start bouncing around like an atom. <laughs> Karen's not like that. Karen's like, this is too many people. Karen gets all excited when we're one-on-one. She's like, let's talk. And I'm like, oh gosh. Let's not talk. Let us not talk. When I lay my head on the pillow, I want sheer silence. I want you to say nothing. If you're going to say anything, say how awesome I am. That is the only thing I want to hear. And usually it's conversation that requires me to think. And I'm dead tired. And I, and I was sick on Thursday, and she said, put her head down, and she asked me a question. I said, I'm too sick to talk. <laughs> and I just rolled over and went to some catatonic state. But the, the, I'm sharing that with you because we're, we're like each We're the same. That's right. We're the same people. We have the same sinful nature. Yeah. But we can all be catalysts. We can all be agents of change when we want to be. You can make a, ch- a bowl of chili if you want to. Or you can bring the onions. <laughs> or you can make sure, let the campus do all the serving. Oh. I said it. Yeah. Let the cam- they have time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay? The campus knows that you think that way. Just so you know. They know that you yeah. think that way. They, they, can't, they know. They understand. Oh, I want us to do it. Yeah. So we make sure we, we, they don't get taken advantage of. Amen? Okay. <laughs> what can we learn from this account? Anyone. Anyone can be an agent of change. Anyone can. Amen. Any any race, any gender, anyone. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I should said. Doesn't matter what your position in life is. Doesn't matter if you're low on the totem pole. Doesn't matter where you are, high or low. You can make a difference in someone's life. And I want to encourage you again. Invite a friend to the chili cookoff. Not just for the chili cookoff. Let them know there's church service too. Because sometimes they come at 12 o'clock. I can't go to the chili. I didn't even know I went to church. Yes. Invite them to church and the chili cook-off. In fact, invite them to bring something. You can have them bring the onions and the cilantro and the potato chips or something. But let's change the way we think when we leave this room. And there, you'll find yourself to be a catalyst. Thank you very much.